Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, Battle Ready with Father Dan Rehill. Battle Ready, let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee, and I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Amen. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties today, uh, but I'm here, and we are live. And it's Friday, so it's Ask the Exorcist a Question. So, we're going to look for some questions. Do you have any, Kevin? No, I'm here. Yes. Uh, give me just a minute. I was re uh, the boot, the computer finally came up and apparently it looks like a Skype issue. Okay. I'll, uh. have, to, I'll have to deal with that after this. Um, if you want to give us a call, please do 866-333-6279, 866-333-6279. I've got Claire right here on the side of me. You're probably going to hear the phone ring if somebody dials in and we'll be ready to go. Uh, Father, been ripping and running. We've got a lot of things going on. Um, got a conference we're going to be at and table uh, this weekend. And then next week is the Mariathon. So pretty excited about that. So uh, get your questions in. Again, phone number 866-333-6279. I'm going to pull one from the emails. Uh, you can email your questions at exorcist at radiomaria.us. This one's coming from Kathy. Uh, she's from Cleveland, Ohio. So she has a 25-year-old daughter who has uh, gone to full um, New Age Christianity, I, I, I guess. And her question really centers around the two different um, ideas of God, the, the Old Testament versus the New Testament God, and the, this idea of fear of the Lord. Um, obviously, her daughter leans towards more of like a hippie love Jesus that, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm, this is my own thing. Maybe maybe uh, everybody is saved. But what is the true definition? Because the Lord doesn't change. So he didn't, the Lord hasn't changed from the Old Testament to the New Test Testament. So what is the true definition of fear of the Lord and how that should work? Well, fear of the Lord is, Traditionally speaking, it's fear of offending the Lord. We should be fearful of offending God because God is so good. He is so awesome. He is so perfect in every way, beyond anything we could imagine, that the slightest sin is offensive to him. That's what we should be afraid of. But in all fairness to God, you know, because he's uh, all-powerful, we haven't seen what that looks like in our own lifetime. You know, the Israelites had a glimpse of it when he would uh, create these, particularly with the plagues that were sent on the Egyptians. That was just a glimpse. But even when he would thunder and speak to Moses on the mountain, the people were so fearful from the rumblings of that mountain that they wouldn't go near it. They said, we're not going to go up there. We're going to stay back. You go and give us the message. And it's interesting because just yesterday I was, watching a video of Father Ripperger, who is a, a fellow exorcist that, um, that we've, we've, we've done a couple of cases together. And he was asked the question, Are you, have you ever been afraid doing an exorcism? He said twice. 
once was the first day, the first time I had the right of exorcism, because in all honesty, I just wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And I was afraid that maybe I'm not doing it right. And it's like that everybody has that when they start a new job or they're doing something for the first time, they're, they're wondering, is this working? But when you're dealing with demons, you really want to make sure you're doing it right. The second time was there was a demon that was being disobedient and would not leave when he was commanding it to leave. And he just turned to God the Father and in his heart prayed, Father in heaven, punish this demon in a way it's never been punished before. And immediately the demon went into such a state of thrashing and misery that it frightened Father Ripperger. Not the demon, but that the power of God was so forceful because of the disobedience of that demon. And it made him wonder, wow, like, think about how disobedient we are as a human race. Uh, we don't really understand the full wrath of God, but if it were to come, it would be something that would be, you couldn't even live with it because he's just so powerful. But he's also merciful. So when people want to know what, what changed between the Old and New Testament, I mean, do you know what changed? I believe Jesus. Jesus, yes. So all the sins of mankind, Jesus took on himself. And the punishment was taken by him. So there was no, the, the father didn't have to punish after Jesus. To, of course, there's always the eternal punishment for those who don't repent. But Jesus absorbed all that punishment into himself. Before Jesus, the people were punished directly. And so that's why the, the, the old looks a lot different than the new. Because there was no redeemer for, the, for all those years leading up to the birth of Christ. And when you sinned, you were punished for your sins in that life. You know, we still are going to be punished for our sins if we don't repent in the next life. But um, for the most part, you know, Jesus has absorbed all that punishment onto the cross. And, and that's why the, the, new, the new era looks a lot different than the old. All right. That was, that was a good one. All right. Uh, get your questions in 866-333-6279, 866-333-6279. Father, we do have a caller. Uh, her, name is, uh, her name is Kelly. She's on the line. Hi, Kelly. Good morning, Father. How are you? Good. Good. Thank you. Good. So I have a question um, that's recently come up. We have a young adult son living at home with us while he's kind of going to school, trying to get his life back together again. And he um, lives in the basement of our house um, in a home, in a it's nicely done. We've redone the space, um, but he's moved back into it. And um, he struggles often on with depression and, you know, and addictions and things like that. And he was, you know, trying to recently get his life back together. I'd like to straighten up his life and try to live better um, in the last week and a half or two. Um, and I was so proud of him and I was just encouraging him. And But then he says, Mom, I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt something dark staring at me from my closet. He goes, it felt like it was just evil and just looking at me. And it... It, it freaked me out because of all his struggles he's had in the past. And I, I said I wanted to have a priest come bless the house. I was telling him last night, and I said, specifically your room. And he he got so verbally, like, 
combative with me and says, no way, no one's coming in my room. And, and he says, I'll lock the doors. I'll, you know, and I'm like, but it's, you know, so I don't really know where to go from here because I feel like with all his struggles, I wouldn't be surprised if there's just something, you know. Yeah. Set. Well, how old is he? 25. 25. And is, is your husband still in the picture? He is. Okay. Well, yeah. this is a simple conversation. You know, you're living here purely by our goodwill because we're trying to help you. But make no mistake about it. That is not your room. We own that room. You get to live in it while you're staying here for a short time. So that room will be blessed whether you like it or not. And if you don't like it, you can I, go back and fend for yourself. That's what I told him to some extent last night. And it, it should come from both of you, yeah. you know, your, your husband too. And that's you know, just remind him, you know, we're, we're here for you, but you're going to play by our rules. If you're living in our house, this is the way it's always been. And it doesn't change just because you, you grew up and you know what, you know, we want you to get healthy, but this is part of the process. We have to make sure the house is rid of anything that could be causing a problem. Clearly you have a problem, which is not going to go away until a priest comes and expels that thing out of your closet. So you can either sleep in fear every night, but to be honest, I wouldn't even give him the option because, you know, that's going to start creating chaos for you and your husband and the whole house will have a problem. Exactly. Yes. Getting, I so need to get my husband involved with this. You have to be a little with him, that's all. Yeah. Okay. Part of me worries that it's like something that, you know, like, is there something attached to him that's kind of creating part of this problem with him being so against having well, a it blessing? Could be. It could be, room. but, you know, if he's there when the priest comes, and the priest should really be doing a deliverance prayer, not just a blessing, uh, then you'll you'll find out then because the thing will manifest within him, and then you'll know. But, you know, if he's still speaking with you and on, you know, civil terms most of the time, he's not possessed but he could have an attachment, demon attached. Those get broken off into confessionals. So the other thing you might want to mention is when's the last time you went to confession? That's something I've been encouraging him to do. It's been a while. It's been a while, quite a few years. So these, these are all High school, probably. the issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. We'll work on that. Thank you. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. Okay, uh, give us a call, 866-333-6279, 866-333-6279. It's Ask the Exorcist today. Got Father Dan on the line, actually literally on the phone line, thanks to uh, technology. Uh, technology is awesome until it doesn't work. All right, so uh, next one, Father, I'm going to grab from the uh, emails. You can email your questions at exorcist at radiomaria.us. And this one is coming from Andrea. So uh, the question here is, um, they want to know if you can tell them what extent they can communicate with their loved ones in heaven. Um, can they send them uh, love or ask Jesus to give them a message on their behalf? Okay, what what extent do you, do you communicate with your, your deceased loved ones? You pray for them until you know they're in heaven. And the way you know they're in heaven is either you die and see them there or the Vatican canonizes them. 
but we're not supposed to be speaking to uh, the dead who are not saints. Okay. I mean, that's right out of the scriptures. So I understand that the, the problem, the biggest problem is the demons can impersonate your deceased loved ones who are not in heaven because they don't, the souls in purgatory and souls in hell, they have no rights basically. And they can't, they can't speak back unless God gives them permission to do that. He does that very rarely. So what happens is often a demon will impersonate the person, particularly if you open up the path, the doorway with um, uh, a psychic or a medium or something like that. But you can pray for them. And, and I think they're even aware of your prayers when you pray for them. So that's the best thing to do. Okay, give us a call, 866-333-6279, 866-333-6279. We've got about eight minutes left in the program here to do that. Or you can email us at exorcist at radiomaria.us. We'll probably answer that next week during our Mariathon. So uh, stay tuned for that. Father, I'm going to grab another one from the emails here at exorcist at radiomaria.us. This is from Lisa. She wants to know, how does an exorcist know the difference between somebody who is suffering from mental illness and somebody who is experiencing a demonic possession? Okay, difference between mental illness and demonic possession. First of all, they're not mutually exclusive. Some of the creepiest places I've ever been are psych wards in hospitals. They're crawling with demons because they hide under the disease. But... We have three methods that we, we look to. One is superhuman strength. So if a 120-pound woman uh, picks up a 300-pound man and throws him across the room 10 feet, that's certainly not her power. Second is um, a supernatural awareness of uh, events or information they would not have access to normally. So I had a guy who was possessed and... He didn't, uh, he didn't have a cell phone. He was just kind of, he lost his job. He lost his house. He lost his girlfriend. He lost everything. And I would just tell him, you know, I'll be by, you know, sometime in the middle of the week because he didn't go anywhere. He was always home. And when I would show up, he would be waiting outside by the curb. And I would say, how did you know I was coming? And he would say, oh, they get so agitated when you're about two blocks away and I know that you're close and I just come out to, to greet you. Stuff like that, you know, is it's the person can't, a mental illness can't do that. And the third is um, knowledge of uh, ancient or foreign languages. So I was just listening to a case where there was a, a woman, a Mexican woman who had really no education and there were four uh, priests in front of her of differing countries, origin, you know, like a, an Italian, a German, a Polish guy, and maybe an English man. And she was cursing at each one of them in their native language. And, you know, her family said, you know, she has like a third grade education. There's no way she would know all these languages. So when you see something like that, um, then you know this is not a mental illness. And also, you know, the phenomenon, I had a guy levitate off the couch. No mental disease can make a person levitate and break the laws of gravity. So when you see things like that, you tend to, to, to kind of size up the, the, uh, the victim pretty quickly. The other thing that's interesting is 
people with mental illness tend to see uh, the devil in in their whereabouts, but not within them. And that's very unusual for a person who is possessed. Possessed people, the demon is inside them. They're not looking at the demon across the room. So when somebody says they can see the devil and he's like staring at them, that's usually not a, pos- a possessed person. When they're having the demon issue, the demon is inside them. So it's an, another way we, we kind of can deduce what, what's kind of going on. And then in the United States, we do do a psychological evaluation with a psychologist, which is an all-day exam, before a formal rite of exorcism is done. So I hope that answered your question. Okay. Uh, give us a call. Again, we only got about four minutes left. So one good caller to call in right now would be good. 866-333-6279. 866-333-6279. Or you can email us at exorcist at radiomaria.us. Uh, we'll answer that next week. Uh, or you can find Father Dan on Instagram at Father Dan Rehill. Uh, go ahead and uh, follow Father Dan. He's got some good stuff up there. I'm going to pull another one from the email while we wait on the phone call, Father. Uh, so this is anonymous. This is pretty common. So married 14 years. Um, so one spouse has grown uh, through therapy. Another spouse uh, doesn't want to go through a couple's therapy or individual therapy. Uh, there's a disconnect in communication there is yelling and calling of names. Uh, they're like childlike behavior. They, they have two children. Uh, there's a feeling of like they're living, just living as roommates. So the question is, what is your advice for a marriage where there is little emotional connection? And does God want us to embrace marriage difficulties like this, like a cross? And, and like, what is your advice? Well, to a degree, if there's physical harm, we always recommend that they leave that situation. We don't in any way condone somebody being physically abused, but I would say even emotional would be a reason to get help or get out. Doesn't mean get divorced, but you need to get an outside party to help assist with the situation. And if one person doesn't want help, you know, either because of addictions or whatever else, um, that creates a, a real problem. And, you know, there's no fault to divorce in America. So you could even be divorced without not wanting to be divorced. Uh, and you, there's nothing you can do. But you pray for the spouse. They, you know, you chose them. If, if it's a valid marriage in the church, they are your spouse till death, whether you like it or not. So you got to continue to pray for their conversion and, uh, and for the children. Our Lady says, pray the rosary as a family. Now, if the father won't do that, you can't force him, but the rest of you can. And you can be praying for dad's conversion or your spouse's conversion. Okay, Father, we have one caller. be the last caller of the day. Um, Karen is on the line with you, Father. Okay, hello. Hello, Father Dan. It's Karen. How are you? Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, So my question is about... um, just in general, the uh, idea of a massive reparation and specifically thinking about St. Patrick's Cathedral and what happened last week. And I'm wondering if, in your opinion, as an exorcist, if a massive reparation is enough, I'm actually not sure what is involved with a massive reparation, particularly when it's done privately without the public there. Um, But I understand the pressure that 
that all the staff and priests were under last week as a volunteer there. Um, and I wanted to ask if you think it requires an exorcism or if the massive reparation was enough and what, what's entailed in that massive reparation when it's done privately. And then um, I wanted to run a theory by you and see if you, um, if you agreed this theory might have merit about why this happened. But I'll let you answer. No, if the massive reparation took place, the mass is the most powerful prayer we have. And those people were living, that was an act of disobedience and uh, pride that, you know, there could be demons pushing them, but th that wasn't a bunch of possessed people. They were just, mm -hmm. they wanted to come and make a big stink. And they did. Right. Okay. And so it doesn't need to have a, be open to the public for those who wanted to make reparation also, or to, to fast and pray along with it. No, and, it's, and attend it's, mass. it's the priest. It's okay. The priest. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and this theory that I had, which I haven't shared, haven't heard from anyone else, but I just thought as um, having been a volunteer there for so many years and kind of having a feel for the, the, the tenor of the place, it's always had to sort of be middle lane, moderate to survive in a city like, like, like New York, to stay true to the traditions of the church, um, but not go all the way over, you know, um, to the most extreme conservative side of things. But I had a theory that for the first time ever, there was a kind of, in my opinion, a major breakthrough at the end of January. They were able to invite and um, have Father Chad Ripperger speak at the cathedral the first time an exorcist ever spoke um, or gave a talk. And, and when I saw the video, which is available on YouTube to anyone who wants to see it, it happened last week of January um, and the place was packed. I mean, the cameras will show you it was packed all the way to the end. Uh, I'm wondering if, because this was the first time that they made that, what I consider a brave move for, for New York City, if um, this thing that was orchestrated in record time after this individual died at the beginning of February and then there was a mass, you know, a, a, the request went through and they tricked everybody and then there was cameras, but nobody mm -hmm. else knew, et cetera. Is it possible this could have been a satanic retaliation for having made that move of having Father Chad speak there? do you think as an exorcist? Well, you know, everything's possible, but Father Ripperger is a very thorough exorcist and he would not, he would not forget to pray prayers against retaliation uh, from going into a church and speaking about exorcism. So I would, I would ah. doubt very much who skipped that step. Uh, you know, maybe God is allowing this to wake people up that, you know, this uh, this is the people that maybe want these blessings and look how they're behaving, you know? So, right. I don't know, but you know, I'm, I'm sure the Cardinal made sure that it was properly repaired, the damage uh, and re-blessed and I wouldn't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Okay, sounds great, okay. thank you. We're out of time, thank you for everyone calling in. Have a great weekend. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This is Father Dan signing out. Thank you so much for listening to the Radio Maria podcasts. It's thanks to listeners like you who donate that enable us to continue delivering quality content to listeners around the world. If you'd like to contribute and help us keep spreading the message of Our Lady's Son, please consider making a donation. 
you can reach us at 888-408-0201 or simply visit our donations tab on our website at radiomaria.us. Your generosity truly makes a difference. This has been a Radio Maria production.